You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. So Eric, I know you're as excited as I am today. We have a guest, something we don't always do. And joining us today is Fritz Gilbert, who retired about three and a half years ago, I believe, and is now uh, relocated to a cabin in North Georgia. And Fritz uh, blogs over at theretirementmanifesto.com and has been doing so for, I think, seven years or so. And gosh, I feel like I've been reading it most of that time. So welcome, Fritz. Hey, Jason. Thanks, and Eric. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It's a real honor. Well, thanks for making the time. I mean, I'm, I'm going to fanboy a little bit here because <laughs> I've been reading your stuff for a long time now. Since I discovered the FIRE movement, you've influenced you know my pending drawdown strategy, and I'm reading the posts in the reverse chronological order so that I can follow along with like where I'm at. And I'm just so... Yep appreciative for all the content you've made and put out there. And I, as someone who makes content myself, know that that's a thankless job often. And it's just nice sometimes hearing the impact that it's having. So from my wife and myself, I thank you. And I'm really excited to get into this conversation. Number one, I really appreciate the, the, the feedback. You know, that's what I found one of the most unexpected surprises of writing and doing this kind of stuff is when you get that encouragement from other people. And, you know, you totally. talk about post-FI, one of the things you lose when you lose when you leave your job is that sense of, hey, I nailed something I got, you know, and, and this is kind of my way to get some of that. Yeah. And it's rewarding. So I appreciate that. About maybe three years ago, I had the idea if somebody's just jumping on the retirement manifesto for the first time, what can I do to make it meaningful to them? And, and so all through my about, I, I have every article written and I put back through the timeline. I was two years away from retirement. I was one year away from retirement. So no matter where you are in your journey, you can jump in, look at my withdrawal strategy. I wrote it a year before I retired. I, I followed it. it to the letter and you're right there following it now a couple of years later, <laughs> using it to plan your own FI journey. It's, it's, it's awesome. So I'm really glad to hear that that works for you. It's brilliant. You know, I, I, um, this time of year when I'm stuck in the house, so I live in Maine, so it's snowy, yep. it's cold. And, uh, I start reading Thoreau's journals, um, that he wrote. And I try and pick the post out that of the day that I'm on. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So cool. if we're in early January, I'm reading that post, and I'm kind of doing the same thing with your posts because, you know, I'm just a couple of years away from this. I'm like two and a half years away. So I'm on that section of your of your blog, and it's interesting to see a lot of focus on numbers there. And yep. when when I hear you talk now. And when I see one of the most recent posts, which you've written, which is called, you know, retirement is nothing like I thought it would be the focus there. Very, very different, right? There's a, there's these kind of two mindsets that, that you're juggling. And Jason and I, when we have these conversations, it's very much like that, you know, I'm focused on numbers and, and a lot of that seems really easy to solve, but I feel like the emotional component of this isn't talked about as much and It's it's huge. Yeah, I, I actually wrote another post called the 90-10 rule of retirement, and it's about that same concept. It's about kind of pre-FI, you're kind of 90% focused on the numbers. And Jason, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your comment on this, but post-FI, you're kind of 10% focused on the numbers because you've done all the hard work, you've got stuff lined up, and you're more focused on living life and figuring out what it is that excites you, you know, now that you've got right. the freedom. So um, you're in that 90-10 part, Jason's in the 1090 part, and Jason, I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback. Are you experiencing that? Because I hear it from everybody that, that they kind of have that to some extent or another. 
Yeah, no, I think that is true. I wonder if mine's more 2080 or something like that. Yeah. I tend I tend to be like a measure 50 times cut once. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely spent much more time thinking about the plan and when and how to execute and a lot more quantitative work leading up to, especially the last couple of years before yeah. deciding to pull the trigger on leaving work than I do now. No question. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think Eric, you made the comment, you know, not that many people, write. I, I call it the soft side and the hard yeah. side. It's just easier in my head to sort it out totally. and not that many people write on the soft side. But when I wrote my book, if you look, it's, you know, 80, 90% of that book, there, there's a good core of the financial stuff and how to set up the bucket strategy and withdrawal strategies and all. You got to have it. Mm -hmm. It's necessary, but not sufficient. And and in that book, I, may, I make the comment that people that really have a successful retirement, they recognize the importance of spending time on the soft side as well. And the more time you spend on that, especially about maybe a year out, you're a little bit early to, to be thinking about it yet. I know you're looking at 2024-ish. Uh, yes, so, you know, right. probably about the next year, um, I'd really encourage you to try to start thinking more about it. And you think about, Jason, the discussion you guys had last week about, hey, should I take this job? You know, you're in that phase now where you're thinking about that soft stuff. Yeah. And I found through research and talking to a lot of other retirees that went before me that that preparation pays back huge dividends it really is an investment if you think about you know you're investing something for future benefit investing a little bit of time in that soft side especially in that year or so before you retire is really valuable it'll it'll pay off well yeah so, i didn't plan on going here but since you brought this up this this makes me think my wife is in this zone right now where she's very content in her job She's earning the most money she's ever earned. And she's starting to get this kind of one more year syndrome. Yep. Yep. <laughs> He's the right person to ask. And I know, I know. <laughs> and, and part of it, I feel like is this idea that she's afraid to confront that kind of the softer side of yep. retirement because she just, she's unsure of what that's going to look like. And as someone who worked, you worked uh, in the same industry, right? Same job for yep. 33 years. Correct. Yeah. You did your homework. I'm impressed. Kudos. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm curious. It seemed like it was an easy transition for you. Is it, Talk about that because she's yeah. having a hard time with that. Um, I think there can be a variety of reasons behind the one more year. I, I actually did one more year and I'm very thankful yeah. I did. I, my number said I could have gotten out at 54. I had for a variety of reasons. I don't need to get into them, but basically talking to people that had done one more year and hearing about after the fact how how much benefit they gave them for the rest of their life. Because if you were kind of marginal, hey, I'm going to be maybe a 4% withdrawal rate. I'm right. not quite sure about having that extra year and suddenly you're at a you know, three something percent safe withdrawal rate, potentially forever, increase for inflation, however you want to do it. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lower withdrawal rate, more investments, one less year of funding, yep. that pays a lot of dividends. So, you know, one more year, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. And, and a lot of people. I'm not. Do one more year. I know, I know. Well, and we can talk about your your comment last week too about, hey, I'm, I'm really getting antsy, you know, and, and I, let's go back and circle back on that because I, I, could, I could talk to that quite a bit. But to finish out the one more year, if that's the core of it, that's fine. Yeah. One more year for the sake of one more year. We really want to make sure the numbers are solid. That's fine. You'll you'll reap rewards from being a little more conservative with your withdrawals down the road. That's fine. Make sure if you do that, you focus that one more year as much as possible on the soft stuff because you already had the hard stuff. You could have retired and you decided not to. Yeah. So the, the hard stuff is kind of sorted out. 
shift your focus to the soft stuff for that one more year, and I've got no problem with it. The people I have a problem with, not a problem, everybody can live their own life, but if you do one more year followed by one more year followed by one more year, and you're way past your FI number, but you keep working, yeah. that to me gets to your point, Eric, about the fear of the unknown more so than a financial question. It's more yeah. of an emotional question. And that's a hard one to answer. You know, some people just love work. They don't want change. Change is hard. We all know that. But man, if, if you can break through that and get to the other side, especially those earlier years that you're giving up by working one more year, those are healthy years yeah. when you're still able to do all the things you want to do. Those are so valuable. And to give those up just because you, you don't have the courage to do it, find a way to break through it and, and really dream about how great life can be and, and just put your mental energy into thinking about life after you know work and and really build the dream and get excited about it. And, and, just, and th so that's one thing. The other thing is set a firm date and say, okay, I'm going to do one more year, but you know what? <laughs> June 1st, 2023, no matter what, we're gone. And and set a date so that it doesn't just keep dragging. And, and that's about the best advice I can give. I, I want to I ask, and sorry, Jason, I'm sidelining you here, man. But <laughs> you are. I, I, got, I got to ask this because this is where my wife and I are like, we're at loggerheads here. That's yeah, important. So she is... Um, she's having a hard time figuring out, okay, well, what does my purpose look like? And like, I have a business yeah. here and I have, it sounds like maybe similar to you, like blogging and making videos and, you know, doing all sort of poking at all of these different interests that I have that are, you know, touching the architecture space, but they're not like necessarily architecture. Um, just like you, I mean, you were blogging about financial things, but you're not a certified financial planner. Um, and it seems like you built this kind of glide path to yeah. purpose in retirement. And, and yeah. you started doing that a couple of years before retirement. Is that your, is that how you found purpose? Or? Yeah. And, and, and you know what I'm going to do seriously? Um, get, when we get done, shoot me an IM with your address. I'm going to send and give me your wife's name and details. <laughs> I'll, I'll send her a personal note and I'll send her a copy of my book because that, not to self promote. I hate that, but, oh, no. but it really, <laughs> it really is. That is the core of my book is how is. do you find that sense of purpose in retirement? And it's not an easy answer. And, and exactly what you just said, I think the best advice I can give people, if you have the slightest curiosity in something, pursue it and pursue yeah. it while you're still working. I started blogging, what was it, three years before three I retired. Years, yeah. And it was purely just my wife was gone for the weekend. I had my little to-do list. I was like, oh, I'm going to start a blog. You know, I'd, <laughs> I'd listen to podcasts and YouTubes and stuff forever. And I, and I just started it. And it's turned into a really fulfilling part of my retirement just because I had the curiosity and I took that first step. Yeah. Now you might try 10 things and only one of them will kind of go anywhere. That's fine. You got time, but explore as many of those types of things as you can. Um, I, I think I'll tell the story of my wife. I don't know if we'll get to that or not, but she started a charity and my example was very intentional, building all these things up. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. You know, she's already home. We're thinking, okay, she'll have to adjust to me being home all the time. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's fine. And we talked a lot about it and what's it going to be like to be together. Well, what we missed entirely was my wife was a caregiver from the time our daughter was born. She was a stay-at-home mom right. all the way through. And then when our daughter went off to college, my mother-in-law moved in with us. She had Alzheimer's. So my wife was taking care of her. And three months after I retired, my mother-in-law passed away, and uh, suddenly my wife was kind of retired, and we yeah. never saw it coming. And she's like, that was 
in hindsight, that was her purpose. And she had done no planning on what her purpose was going to be in retirement. And it it was a harder journey. We got through it. She started a charity. She's having a blast. We're, We're really enjoying these years. But if you have the choice between the two approaches, it's definitely easier to do a glide path than to do the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that, that's that's an excellent point. So I remember back when you had your Ten Commandments post, uh, there was one on pursuing passions and trying new things. And so you've just talked about how that really began and the importance of that beginning before you stopped working. I'm curious, in your first year after you stopped working, yep. were you sort of did you just continue upon the things you had already thought you would do or did you find yourself, you know, random walking around trying to, you know, Great. a whole Great bunch question. of new things? Great. I got the Ten Commandments right over there. We're in my writing studio, as Eric mentioned, and, and I've got the Ten Commandments printed out and hanging on the wall over there. And I and I, I live by them. I really do kind of think about them. And, you know, it drives the way I live my life. And it's kind of like continually learning, right? You always want to learn. It's the same thing about always wanting to try and explore and develop new interests. And, you know, if you would ask this, the topic, I guess, of today's discussion is retirement is nothing like I thought it would be. I don't even think I included this in my post. But if I think about some of the activities that I'm doing versus the activities I thought I would be doing, you know, when we used to come up here, up here, we're in the mountains, so I would say up, I used to come up here and I'd go fishing when we're up here for a week vacation or weekend. You know, I love being on the river and I like fly fishing and it's trout. It's, Mm. you know, beautiful river gorge and (laughs) gorgeous. I haven't fished in over a year, you know, <laughs> now that we're up here, I used to hike. We used to come up here. We'd hike every weekend. Yeah. Now I, you know, I joined a hiking club the first year after I retired, I hiked a bunch. I haven't hiked in probably a year. I mean, we hike, you know, I hike with the dogs out in the woods every day, but you know, not real hiking. So yes, absolutely. Jason, I think what I try to look at is almost like a, a revolving door. You know, you're constantly going around and there's new stuff coming in and there's old stuff leaving and you just keep refreshing it and it makes life fun. You know, so it's, again, continually pursuing that curiosity. And when you start feeling a little bit like, man, I'm doing a little bit too much, well, figure out what you can stop doing. And and to me, it's kind of been natural. It's just I don't have the time right now to fish. I'm okay with that because the stuff I'm doing, I enjoy more than fishing. If I if I enjoyed fishing more, I'd do that. Maybe a year from now, I'll get back into enjoying fishing more and I'll stop doing this, you know. So, you know, the woodworking that I'm doing, um, the the woodworking shop that's right behind me that I built, none of that was planned, totally unexpected, (laughs) totally new hobby. And I absolutely love it. So, yes, constantly seek new challenges, constantly pursue new curiosities and, and just keep it fresh. It really, it does. It makes life more fun. Totally. And and that idea, I'm sorry, Eric. Well, I was Uh, thinking of my wife, like, you know, if maybe if she had an outbuilding, like you built that outbuilding for yourself as a, you know, kind of an experiment, right? Like who knows what's going to happen out here? Well, you knew it was going to be a writing studio and a woodworking shop. I was thinking, Oh, maybe I should build her like her own little space. And that becomes the kind of, shed for experimentation i mean absolutely if that if that thought is in your head pursue it yeah you know talk to her about it think about it hey how much could we afford to spend right. and that, how much is that going to delay our fi wait a minute you know do all the math do all the thinking about it but what i found is spending money like this right this wasn't free yeah but it's the best one of the best investments i've ever made because spending money on those things that can really help you pursue the passions and the things that really get you excited in retirement those are good investments to make much better than buying a new car or some stupid material thing yeah this is a material building but that's not the essence of it right the essence of it is is 
finding that fulfillment and purpose and things that you really enjoy doing and putting your money and your efforts into those things. Yeah. You know, we're, we're past the point of having to do things for financial reasons. So finding something, and, and I would also encourage her, Erica, she's looking around trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do for my purpose? Huge question, impossible to answer. But one of the things is, you know, think about ways you can help other people because it's it's been demonstrated that getting involved in charitable type of work or things where you're writing, YouTubing, things where you're making a positive impact on other people's lives, that's a really good place to start. And I love that you know, advice. while you're still working, get involved in charity. Try 10 different charities, you know, maybe you'll only like one of them. That's fine, but you know, try pursuing things like that. And if it gets serious enough, my wife now running the charity, that's one of the reasons we built this. I had my writing studio in the house. It was just the loft in our cabin, but she was blown out the walls. She had the spare bedroom. There was still a bed in there. She had this little desk and, you know, suddenly she's running a pretty big charity. She needed some space. Yeah. So by building this, I got my space, but she got my space up there and that's her purpose room Love you know it. that's your freedom for phyto space so both of us got a space out of it and that does help that having a dedicated space to focus on these types of things that, that's that's a good call yeah Oh, I love that advice. I mean, it's so great. Thank, thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah. You know how it goes. And and I'm serious about the book. So, you know, we'll, we'll chat off. <laughs> oh, we're buying it. Don't worry. No, we <laughs> got to support you, man. <laughs> Does she have a YouTube channel or a podcast or anything? Is she Has she no. taken inspiration from you in that sense or no? No, you know, everybody's got their own likes. Yeah, yeah. She's She's really good at the things she's good at, yeah. and and running this charity is a sweet spot. She's very organized. She's she's really good with people. She's got a hundred volunteers, and she's managing all those. She's dealing with all the. For, we should probably give some context. This Freedom for Fido thing. Yeah. We build free fences for low income families that have dogs on chains. Yeah. So it's all about getting dogs off of chains, helping low income families. We do it for free. It's all donation based, and she's really good at dealing with the client side of it, dealing with the donor side of it and dealing with the volunteer side of it that's her space that, that oh. she's she's not going to do youtube and stuff she that's she's where she needs to be and she's really good at it it's so funny i, I could never imagine doing that part of that job yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would Me either yeah that's amazing <laughs> i'll build things but i don't, I don't want to do that back-end logistics there but you I, go i want to talk about that kind of in the context of that you know your recent post so you're you retired at 55 is that correct and you're in year four of retirement yeah. right now. Um, and you wrote this post, which kind of caught both Jason and I's eyes, which said, retirement is nothing like I thought it would be. To set that up for me. I mean, because that's a pretty, number one, that's an amazing title. <laughs> I'm looking yeah, at, you. I'm looking through the titles on your blog post. I'm like, oh, that would make a great video title. <laughs> um, yeah. So your SEO skills are top notch and it's no surprise because you've been blogging for so long. But like what inspired this post? It was triggered by a reader comment. Uh, I'd put in a thing about how I spend my time in retirement, and yeah. I kind of did a time study, very informal. But what am I doing with my time now, and how does that compare to when I was working? You know, and I've got three thousand less hours of working and commuting and all that. So what am I doing with that time, right? So I put all this together, and a reader comment on that one said something to the effect of, "How does that compare to what you thought you'd be doing?" And you know, it's just a reader comment. You can just make a quick response, and off you go. But I really like thinking through the reader comments, and there's a lot of nuggets in there. And a lot of my post ideas come from those types of simple little questions. And that's really where I got the idea. Um, so I think the thing to think about, I use the analogy of when you're you know, first starting a job, 
there's no way to know what it's going to be like to work for that employer, right? Think about when you got out of college or wherever you went, vocational school, doesn't matter. Whenever you got your first real job and you're all excited, you get the interview, you land the job and you're walking into that building for the first time and you don't have a clue what it's going to be like, right? And the first, not unlike retirement, the first day is different than the first six months, is different than the first year. And before you know it, hey, you got this down pat and you're maybe you get a promotion and you kind of got this figured out and you're doing pretty well, right? Or not, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You have no way to know what it's going to be like. That's one analogy. Another one is, uh, and these are ones that I try to find examples that people can relate to that haven't yet retired. Because one of my big questions when I was in your shoes, Eric, was what's it going to be like to be retired? And I was really fascinated with that question. And you know, you talk to people and they try to explain it to you. Oh, six Saturdays every week, you know, yep. constant vacation. <laughs> you know, you hear all the same pat answers. It's you, Jason. But the reality, the reality of it is, <laughs> sorry, Jason, is that one of your lines? Come on, man. No, I don't. That's how Eric characterizes my life. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, it is some of that too. But <laughs> but the bottom line is, just like starting a new job, just like getting married, just like having your first kid, you know, there are certain things in life that you can never really know what it's going to be like and until you actually do it. And retirement is one of those. So this was my look back now, three yeah. and a half years later and said, what was I expecting it was going to be like? And how is that reality compared to that? And there are a lot of things that were I was totally blindsided by all of the good, I should say. It's been a great transition and life's going well. But a lot of the things, and I, I, we don't have to go through the post, we can if you want to, but you know, um, I think the important thing to take away from it is it's important to plan, but your plan's going to be wrong. But 100%. just doing the planning process and thinking through it provides tremendous benefits. And, and I, I think the other takeaway that I would have from the post is some of the, the things that I would say I least expected were, let's say they're more tactical building this workshop. Yeah. Right. Never would have, if you would ask me, never would have made a list. If I put a hundred items on a list, never would have made the list. But if you look at the 10 commandments and pursuing new interests and a lot of those things in there, that's exactly what this fits. Yeah. So the the concepts were rock solid, but how they, how they kind of developed in time is where the surprises came in. Yeah. Yeah. that uh, it really resonates with me and it, it inspires a question as well, Fritz. And that is when you think back to your first year after retiring, and that wasn't so long ago, I suspect you can do it pretty well. Um, one of the things that, that I found challenging was I found that I was trying to stuff my hours full of things. I wasn't intentionally doing it. And I don't really know if that was just an artifact of the kind of pace at which I was used to working in my career or not. But I found I was sort of, you know, subtly scheduling myself to do lots of things and on the flip side, not feel very good if I wasn't getting them done. Is that a foreign concept or is that something that you experienced in any way? I can so relate to what you're talking about. You know, good. We we, we talk this, this now we're getting into the core of the soft stuff, right? And, and the soft stuff, money aside, you got the financials figured out, you're ready to fire. Great. There's a whole huge basket of other stuff. And one of the ones that I would say is what you're touching on there is, and there's there's a lot of these, but think about things that your job's providing that you don't even realize. Yes. And the one you just touched on is structure. Yeah. Your job provides structure. Your day is scheduled. You go in there. You have things to do. You know what you got to do. There's structure to it. That's 100% gone on the day you retire. Yes. And if you haven't thought about that, suddenly you're like, 
you don't realize you don't really know what you're missing, but things just don't quite work. And you're so you're trying to figure it out. And we all do. It takes time. You know, be patient. Don't don't get freaked out about it. It happens to everybody. But to me, that's an example of where you were suddenly caught surprised by the lack of structure and you're trying to fill build a way to put some structure back in your life. Yep. And over time you figure it out. And and what I kind of did is I, 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 I had the same experience really. And what I found was unlike work where you have to have structure, the joy of being post fire is you can determine how much structure you want in your day. And where you said, Hey, I'm starting to get frustrated because I can't get all this stuff done. Well, that was too much structure, right? You got, okay, wait, I got to back some off. And, 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 it's kind of like a pendulum and where I've been. And, and so that's your one right now. I'm in year three and a half. So probably around year two or so, I kind of settled into a pattern that's worked well for me. And, and bottom line, it's kind of structure in the morning. I go to the gym every day. I walk the dogs. I do some writing on my blog and then the afternoons are unstructured yeah. and we do whatever we want to do. And it, and it works really well for me, but every person has a different pendulum, you know, yeah. and that structure balance so that that's what i would take from that jason yeah yeah no fritz that's that's really helpful and just to start where you finished i have fell fallen into a very similar structure at this point where my mornings tend to be much more consistent after that is you know kind of all over the place but i also yeah yeah it's it's nice that it's similar you also said something that 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 hits home for me and it's something i ended up writing about a good deal early on once i figured it out which was not immediately and that is Figure out what you're, you're, what you were getting from work that you're now missing. Because I was feeling kind of low around six months, and Eric and I talked about yeah. this at the time. I, I it might have been right about when we started recording this show. I was still just writing at that point. I realized that while I never thought I was a recognition-driven person at work, apparently I was, or at least it mattered to me a lot because not, you know, sort of you know, exceeding somebody's expectations or hearing that this thing was successful and thanks for your part in that left me feeling pretty empty. I mean, I've always thought that I got lots of great fulfillment and I do out of my pursuits, but just not feeling it, I guess, from others was something I noticed is kind of a big deal. And it surprised me once I figured it out. But yeah, it was real. And and this is uh, Eric, man, you get and everybody that's watching this, that's pre FI. Listen to this stuff. This is what I'm talking about. When I say the soft stuff, this stuff matters. (laughs) And it is it is kind of scary. But I think back to my earlier comment, the more you think about it before you get there, the easier the transition is because you're going to think about it sooner or later. Right. Jason just talked about, it. he thought about it six months, a year into it. He suddenly, sure. Hey, I guess I did. I guess I did like that recognition, you know, <laughs> Hey, guess what? You're getting some now on, you know, two sides of FI. This is cool. Right. You, you find ways to, to let me, let me go back. I would encourage you to think about, make a list of what do you get from work besides money and just, do a spreadsheet or something. And one of them is exactly that, that, that sense of accomplishment, that sense of recognition. That's absolutely one of the things, you know, structure we talked about was another one. Relationships is another one. A sense of purpose is another one. You got somebody that's telling you objectives you got to meet, you know, you get a raise if you do it, you get a promotion if you're great, etc. All those things come from work. Yeah. yeah. And the yeah. challenge is what are you going to do post FI that lines up with each one of those yeah. things? Because I really think we're not designed to just sit around idle, right? And there's yeah, a reason totally. work works well for us because, yeah, we get tired of it and Eric's all antsy and he wants to get out and everything else. <laughs> Be careful, you know, because there's a lot of stuff that you get through work that when it's suddenly gone and 
guess what? You don't have a boss anymore. It's on you to figure it out. And, and you suddenly realize, Hey, I, I kind of need that stuff. I don't just need the money. I need all those other things that I got from work. And Jason, when you were talking last week about, you know, maybe going back to work and this brew thing, I was thinking through all this kind of thing because that's you're you're right where I was. You're 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 still experimenting with how do I find these things of fulfillment? And Eric, you gave some good advice. You you said something to the effect of, you know, I would just encourage you to think about, hey, can you do it closer to home and not have to move to Oregon? Can you, yeah. you know, see, I listen to your stuff too. And, and, and <laughs> Thanks, but you were spot you. <laughs> on, you know, because you're, you're, you're searching Jason for how do you find those areas that you got fulfillment through work? And yeah. nobody thinks about that until they retire. You're not alone. That's, that's a really common thing. And, and to be honest, that's why some people struggle in retirement. Yeah. And, you know, I think your odds of depression go up 60%. Um, it's, it's a real thing. I can relate to this because I'm self-employed. So self-directing is just in my DNA now. And it was not natural, did not come naturally to me in 2013 when I started this business. It was a, you know, schedule was a, was a thing, self-direction, you know, there, there is no boss. There's no one telling what you me what to do. So, and I love that. And I'm not trying to get away from that, but I want to try a whole bunch of different things. And it seems to me, reaching the five number opens all these other doors. And I, w I want yeah. to ask you, Fritz, what is your relationship to work? I mean, you started, you, you spent a long time in a career and it seems to me that you had a, a vision at a certain point, and I want to figure out when that was, that you wanted to retire early. You didn't want to keep working. So what was that about? And you know, how, if it was about like not wanting to work anymore, cause I've heard you kind of say that, you know, you get to the end, you see the light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel and you're like, ah, I want to get there faster. Or, you know, I, yeah, like, I'm kind absolutely. of done with work. Um, you know, how is your relationship to maybe hobbies or things you're doing for fulfillment and purpose? Like, is that work to you or no? Yeah. Yeah. Um, great question. And, and, you know, when you were talking earlier about um, getting excited about being done with it, I, I was absolutely there. The last two years, I was just <laughs> yeah. like, man, get me out of here, right. get me out of here. But the funny thing was, you know, for probably 30 years of my career, I worked for 33 years. I had great jobs. I loved it. I really enjoyed my work. You know, we always um, we always sought balance. And I, and I encourage people, and you, you made this comment last week, and I applaud it because you're recognizing it. Don't live your whole life in such hot pursuit of fire that you right. lose track of enjoying the moment. You got kids yeah. for not much longer at home. Yeah. Savor that time, right? <laughs> so you recognize it. That's great. So we were very intentional. I probably could have got out at 45, right, if oh. I would have really hit it hard and done a more aggressive fire. Okay. But we didn't. We went to Europe on vacation. We went to Hawaii. You know, we took big vacations every year. I had frequent flyer miles. We saved aggressively maybe 20, 25%, but we didn't do 50%. You yeah. know, we had, you know, newish cars. We had a probably, you know, nicer home than we had to have. Um, so we always tried to find that balance. I knew we were saving pretty aggressively and you set everything up, you automate everything, you start learning about this stuff. That's not the hard part. The hardest part is the patience to give it time, yes. so you true. know, that, that compounding takes time. So you set all the metrics up, you do your net worth statement every year, you try to increase your savings every time you get a raise, you know, we, we all know the gig, right? It's not that hard. The hard part is the patience to, yes. to wait it through. Yeah. So that's where I was in my career. I, I enjoyed it. Fortunately, I didn't sit there and get obsessed about trying to get out when I was, you know, 10 years out. Yeah. I, I, I really, I knew I was probably doing pretty well, but I didn't really run the numbers. Maybe, 
you know, 10 years out, I might've looked at a retirement calculator or something. So, oh, you know, maybe I'll get there someday, but I wasn't, I wasn't obsessed about it at all Interesting. until I was probably five years, six years out. Mm. And I started seeing some of my coworkers who were youngish, you know, let's say in their fifties that were starting to leave. And I'm like, man, you know, and, and the interesting thing is the more you start thinking about wanting to leave, the more you get that, yes. I got to get out of here. Yes. They, they, yeah. They're, yes. They're, yeah. They feed on each other. So be careful about getting too excited about wanting to leave because that patience thing comes yes. back in. And I was fortunate to have a pretty decent balance of them and not really get the urge to fire until I was maybe late forties. Okay. Um, fortunately, I had done all the right things, you know, yes. started saving a 401k at age 22. And, uh, you know, I just had the, the time of compounding on my side yeah. and I had done it right, but it wasn't necessarily a, a lifelong desire to oh. fire. It just was fortunate that it happened. Interesting. Yeah. Now Fritz, I'm glad that, that you covered some of those areas you did because you know, one of the things that Eric and I have realized that as our channel has grown, um, our sort of average age, at least as far as we get from YouTube of our viewers has gone down. And certainly the fire community is very highly represented by people in their 20s and 30s. And that, yeah. that's cool. I'm, I'm so impressed by the rigor that some of yeah. them put into their planning. And it's, it's brilliant. But I also love reminding people this is a diverse community, right? And retiring at 55 means you're still retiring 10 to 15 years yeah. earlier than the typical experience in the U.S. And I think if I'm remembering right, you even called that uh, late fire at some yeah. point in your <laughs> earlier blogs, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I, you know, you got lean fire, fat fire, early fire, late fire, you know, but yeah, it, it, I, I didn't come up with the term, but yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, it is, I, I guess what I would say to the, to the really early fire, hyper aggressive people, Hey, knock yourself out. That's great. You're saving aggressively, but don't lose focus on living your life as you live it. Because you got, even if you're hyper aggressive, you got 10 or 15 years, right? And you don't want to live 10 or 15 years like Eric's living right now in his final two years where you just want to get out. That's a, that's a miserable way to live 15 years of your life. So find yeah. a way to maybe I'll, maybe I'll scale back and say, I'm going to get out at 45 instead of 40. And we're going to go ahead and take a nice vacation this year. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, you yeah. know, yeah. find the balance mm -hmm. because retirement's great. But it's not worth giving up 15 years of your life of, of stuff that you are going to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done something with my kids. They're gone, you know, and you'll never get that back. So find the balance. Kudos for being, you know, aggressive and doing well on your savings and everything else. But really question yourself, what's the appropriate balance? Because realistically, after you retire, to Eric's earlier question, what do I consider work? You're, you're probably still going to be working. A lot of people go back to work. A lot of people like me, I, I do what I, I consider work, but I don't get paid for any of it. I just do right. it because now I enjoy it. That's an enviable place to be. But an awful lot of people go back to work, even though they might not need the money because they're fire. But for exactly the points we were talking about with Jason right. about missing all these other things, yeah. I guarantee you 95% of those hyper aggressive early fire people, they haven't even thought about that stuff yet. Yeah. And, and when that stuff hits and you retire at 35 and, hey, gold star, I'm great, and then that stuff hits you in the face and you hadn't planned for it, it might not be as great as you thought it was going to be, you know, when you get there. So yeah, find some balance. Life's all about balance. Do you, do you feel like you, I, I mean, that's great advice, Fritz. Um, I, I love hearing it from you as someone who's experienced both sides of FI. And I wonder if you consider yourself maybe not to be retired, but do you have like a sec, is this a second career? to you like because i mean I'm, you're I'm you're writing I'm books and i'm i'm 100 percent retired 100, okay and, I, and i'll tell you why 
<laughs> because nothing that I choose to do is influenced in the least by the financial consequences. In the least. That's interesting. I don't I, think everybody's like think, that. I, 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 I tell you, it's something that happened to me. We talk about people going back to work, right? Right when about a week before I was going to retire, I get a call from a guy I knew. He's president of a company, and we'd been friends for a long time. And I thought oh, he's calling to wish me happy retirement and all that. And so we're talking, and sure enough, he did that, you know. And and then, and then he said, "Well, actually, I did have a reason for going." I was like, "Oh man!" I said, "The guy's going <laughs> to ask, you know, the guy's going to want me to come and do some consulting for him." And I had locked into my head. I'm not going to retire and then go do consulting because I might as well just keep working and make big money and not, you know, not do this little piddly consulting stuff and spend 30 hours a week kind of working. Right. <laughs> no, but he came up with an interesting proposition. He said, Hey, we just restructured. We got this new ownership structure and, and one of the big owners are, they're putting a new board together. And he asked me if there's a, a new retiree that kind of knows this business, they'd like to get somebody that has the industry experience on the board. Hmm, board of directors, right? And so, and I had sworn to myself, I was not going to work. And this is in my, what I didn't expect about retirement. This is one of my It examples. is, I know, yeah. And, and I had no intention of working, but being on a board, and the reason I accepted it, I talked to my wife, we talked about it a lot, and uh, and and it was, I didn't even know what the financial implications were going to be. I mean, I, I accepted the position ultimately without even knowing what the pay was going to be. It, it didn't matter. That's why I say I'm retired. Okay. Right. The decisions yeah. I make aren't driven by the financial implications. Yeah. Spending decisions are, but but in terms of what I choose to do with my time. Yeah. And and the reason I chose the board is because to me, to Jason's earlier point, how do you keep getting a little bit of that sense of fulfillment? Hey, I'm yeah. kind of an expert in my field. Yeah. When you retire, that's gone. This was a way for me to get a little bit of, hey, I'll be the I'll be the industry expert on this board of financial people and I can kind of be this voice at, you know, 33 years in the business and and it's it's a blast, you know, minimal yeah. obligation. I was very clear in my discussions with the chairman, how much time are we talking about and you know, if, if push comes to shove and I've got an obligation, I'm out, you know, I got to go do something else. He goes, right. yep, no, 100%, we want you. So I was very intentional on my decision, but it was not driven by the financial. It was driven by the by the other things yeah. that I would get from that opportunity that weren't fine. So to answer your question, I consider myself retired because my decisions on what I do are not driven by financial implications. And that to me is yes. the definition of retired. That's amazing. That, that's great. What you've just said is so relatable. And that's because I've figured out that, you know, taking like an, I do these expert network calls sometimes where like, Hey, we're looking for somebody who has knowledge about yeah. this field that you were in. Will you take a call with this company? And I'll do that once or twice a month for an hour at yep. a clip, but I get to just sort of wax philosophically about stuff I spent my career learning and, you know, prognosticate about where this field is going and somebody sends me a check. Uh, that's yeah. nice because it scratches the itch of sort of knowledge and sharing and leveraging the information I spent a career building. And yeah, somebody gives me a paycheck at the end of it and that's great, but uh, that's not why I do it. Well, I love that idea about serving on a board to pass along to my wife. You know, I read that in the post and I thought, oh, this would be perfect for Laura because she's a scientist. She's involved in all these high level decisions and reviewing grants and things and like that is the perfect place to still feel value and probably pretty limited time commitment. 
Absolutely. I, I spend, I spend literally, we, we have a board meeting once a quarter and they've all been virtual for the last two years. So, Hey, I even scored there. there right. Go. But Absolutely. you know, I got, I scored a trip out of Europe expense paid, you know, we, we get to go on, you know, nice, nice business meetings, you know, once a quarter and have Love a nice it. dinner out, which Perfect. I kind of miss that part of work. So, you know, but yeah, it's once a quarter, it's a day and maybe one or two phone calls in between, maybe yeah. normally not. And that's it. So very minimal time commitment. And it's, it's more that expertise, you know, that that feeling of of appreciation for your expertise right millions of dollars in the bank too right they, yeah <laughs> the pay's not bad i will say that's right you're known for among other things your your very detailed posts on the bucket strategy which has been great your templates are something we've linked Thank before <laughs> uh in previous episodes just because i think they're a great tool that we don't see enough of in the community thinking about cash flow for example but um i am wondering as you've gone through this journey over the last three and a half years, how much tuning have you had to do? Have there been any surprises when you think about your drawdown strategies you laid it out and planned for versus actually now in execution? Um, how has that process been? Yeah, um, surprisingly smooth. Okay. I, I actually I, I talked about this time series that I did. I spend 0.23% of my time managing our money. I saw that. That's amazing. Nothing. It's like 20 hours a year. It's a great number. And, yeah, it's nothing. The reason I say that it, it's worked well is because when we were at Eric's point two years ago, man, I worked it. I worked it hard and I laid all this stuff out. Yeah. And and I was lucky. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just kind of, you know, I sure – I very sure you know, transparent in my posts. I'm just, this yeah. is what I'm thinking. Here's the questions I'm asking. Here's I how I that. think I'm going to go about it. Yeah. But I, I had all those mental um, exercises and spreadsheets and everything else. And because of that, now that we're actually in the implementation phase, it's a cakewalk. I, I, to answer your question very briefly for the bucket strategy, basically all we do is you got bucket one is your, your spending for roughly three years and you can tweak it however you want. But let's say it's three years. Initially, I was going to wait till the end of the year and then refill it. And I was like, you know, that's kind of stupid because what if in November there's a huge bear market and I've gone from three years of cash to two? Okay, so maybe I'll do it quarterly, you know. So now every – it's not like on a calendar every quarter, but, you know, maybe the market's been really hot. Hey, I'll open up personal capital, look at my asset allocation real quick, and I've just set up kind of a, a – 50 to 60 percent range on my stocks if it gets over 60 i'll go ahead and sell some and throw it back in bucket one if it's been like six months and i haven't done any refilling of the bucket i'm like yeah you know what i think i i need to figure out something i can sell and, I, and i'll just kind of a couple times a year skim a little bit of money wherever it makes sense and throw it back into bucket one and it's all been stocks obviously since i've retired the market's been insane so it's yeah, been right. very easy to decide what to do but so that's it <laughs> You know, a couple times a year, you do a little bit of rebalancing, you fill up bucket one, and then at the end of the year is when I kind of do my deep dive, and I update all the net worth, I look at what's our safe withdrawal rate range for the next year, um, and then I set up our automatic paycheck, you know, that comes out of this Capital yeah. One money market fund into our checking account, and then as we go through the year, we just spend what's in our checking account. Nothing to it. It's yeah. it's surprisingly easy, and we do we're doing Roth conversions every year. We yes. have too much pre-tax, you know. We're doing some of those tactical steps, but those don't take a lot of time. Yeah, it, it's it's funny pointing this back at myself, reading, and it is reassuring to hear you say what you do because that's one of the points I'm going to make. When I look at your posts on this, and I think about my situation relative to yours, on one hand, I get a lot of confidence because so much of what I'm doing is well aligned with your approach. And therefore, hey, if, if, if it's working for you, it's obviously got to work for me. On the other hand, I also bowed out um, eight years earlier 
than you did yeah. at 47. And so I'm holding more like a year and a half of cash and yeah. like three years in bucket two yeah. uh, in my brokerage account. And I, you know, I start questioning myself like, uh, am I cutting this too thin? Am I being too risky here? Because I know the engine in bucket threes got to do its thing for me to go the distance. And my family, as I often reference on this show, has this unfortunate problem of living long. So I need to be intelligent about making sure that that engine has enough fuel to do its thing, but can also get us through a severe downturn. So if there's one area of sort of my finances that I fixate on, and I, Eric is very familiar with this, so I'm sure he's <laughs> laughing at me, um, is do I need even bigger guardrails than the guardrails I already think I have? Yeah, spot on, Jason. And that, and that really goes to why it's personal finance, right? Everybody's situation is different. Those, those eight years are big, right? And, and, you have to have those earnings. And, and if you do the straight math, let's say you have 30x your spending, right? Just to make a 3.3% withdrawal rate, makes yep. the math easy. So if you have a 30-year bucket, you know, investment portfolio, so 25x is kind of the 4% rule. But let's say you, you do the one more year and you're, you're at 30, whatever. Your spending's a little lower, whatever. Okay, you got For 30 sure. years. What's, what's three years of that? 10%. So you're 10% cash. What's, um, let's say, five years for bucket uh, two, five years over 30 is what, 15%, 17%? Mm -hmm. Who can do the math in their head? Let's say it's, let's say it's, it's, slightly, six, less than, yeah. it's slightly less than 20%. Yeah, yeah, it's 16 cash. Right. So 10% cash, 20% bonds, 70% equities. Yep. Straight math. Okay, you're not too far off. No, I'm pretty. You got to be a little bit more aggressive because you yeah. got to have a little bit longer growth. That 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 that, that works for me. That makes sense. It makes yeah. me feel. I, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that as a, as a green check mark, uh, especially when I tell you that I'm actually withdrawing it below three percent. So, there you go. <laughs> Stop I, I worrying. I get so anxious over these Shut things. Shut up, Jason. To your earlier point, <laughs> my wife is of the type. She's like, as long as you tell me it's good, it's good. So <laughs> I yeah. don't want to yeah. be the one one day that's got to show up like, totally. so it's time to cut back the vacation spending because yeah. I've got this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, I like to think through kind of the, 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 what the worst case scenario. Yes. And, and if you think about, okay, let's say worst case, you get into a pretty bad bear market and it goes for five years, seven years. Well, shoot, by then you're 51. Well, okay. I'm going to go do that brewery job, you know, and you start working a brewery job and your withdrawal rate goes to 1%. Right. And you don't, and you don't pull any money for a while and, you, and you're doing something you kind of enjoy, but you're now you, now you're not just doing stuff because you want to do it. Hey, there's this kind of a financial need to do this stuff. I still want to take that vacation. So, I, you know, okay, fine. You go get a part-time job or, you know, you, you ramp up some of the, some of the stuff you're doing now and you monetize it a little bit more, whatever you yeah. find ways to maybe add a little revenue. You find ways to reduce a little bit of spend. Okay. Yeah. You know, thinking through, okay, if I don't have the full three years in cash, people would argue three years, is, what are you crazy? That's way too much. Oh yeah. They it, do argue that. Yeah, it is a lot. I'm familiar. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, that's, that's something you have to have peace of mind because that buffer is offset by I'm okay with a long bear market and potentially have other options of ways I can fill that than sacrificing that opportunity cost to hold that much money in cash. Fine. I, yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah. 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 Hey, I wanted to ask you since you, um, 2020, what, how did that feel? I mean, that's, that's the first real test of the, of your portfolio, right? Since you retired. Yep. Short, short, uh, downturn, but like, how did that feel? I was buying like crazy. I didn't <laughs> blink. So you took the cash bucket and went, Dry powder. I, I, I had a little too much cash. I wrote about this. I actually, I had, yeah, I came up with dry a powder. 
Yeah, I, and, and in the past, you know, I've been through enough down markets, I'm 33 years of work, you know, I've, I've been through, I don't know how many downturns, and you just kind of, I've never gotten anxious about them. Yeah. And and I came up with a concept, I wrote a post about it, and it's right in that time frame, March of 2020, maybe yeah. April or May, I wrote the post. Every 5% of the market went down, because in previous downturns, I most people have kind of too much cash, not always, you know, Jason good for you but a lot of people that write to me say you know i've got that same problem i got too much cash i, I don't want, i don't want to get in the market i think it's overpriced what am i going to do and they're sitting on their hands forever and they have too yes. much cash so i had a little bit too much cash not that much but I had, I had a little bit too much and in previous downturns i'd kind of thrown it all in the market on the first drop oh man get it and then it just keeps going and going and going that's you know? me <laughs> there you go eric i guarantee you almost everybody listening can relate to that because at some point you'll do it because you're like i'm going to get in as soon as the market comes down especially when you've been on a 10-year tear like we have now and a lot of people in the fi community have not seen a real downturn right man true. that first five percent ten percent drop they're like i'm all in right and they burn all their dry powder and then it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and it can go a long, long time. Right. I've been through it. Yeah. And I had no sure. cash left to invest. And I was just watching my portfolio <laughs> tank because your your asset allocation goes up, too. Right. Because oh, you're, yeah. you're throwing more into it. Oh, so you have less you have less uh, safety stock on the side because you threw it in the market. So yeah. it's dreadful. So <laughs> what I came up with was, OK, I'm going to try to find a little bit more methodical approach to this yeah and every time yeah. the market came down five percent i would take one percent of my net worth and either take it out of bonds or cash like i said I, I was predominantly long in cash but i had quite a bit in bucket too and i wanted to grow my equity stake so i was taking primarily cash but some out of bonds every five percent drop i'd take one percent of my net worth i'd take a note of what the s p was that day and i'd just keep an eye on it Okay, a couple weeks later, oh, it's 5% lower. I'll take another 1% and another 1%. Now, I don't remember how, let's say it went down 20%. Yeah. By the time it got to the bottom, I was like, man, this thing's been going down pretty low now. I think I can up that a little bit. So I dry powder. So on the lowest point of the day, March 27th, 2000, was low, low point in the market. I dropped in 2% of my net worth. And I was you know, going, man, that was awesome. you know. And I just happened to time it. When? Not time yeah. it. If you look at the math, what that is, is that a increased frequency of rebalancing yeah is all that is yeah. because your equity portion is going down and you want to maintain a minute i said minimum 50 maximum 60 the minimum 50 forces you to buy when the market's going down the maximum of 60 forces you to sell when the market's going up right and it kind of helps keep things in balance if you say i'm going to be 60 percent stock and the market's going down and now you're at 57 oh you know have a have a little bit of a range and it's really easy i'm, I'm getting antsy i think the market's man really on a tear i should probably yeah. take some pull up personal capital up i'm only 58 percent. i'm good and that's yeah. it yeah a third second glance because i've kind of set these ranges on the asset allocation i love it it really helps yeah yeah i i mean i heard you talk about that and i, I read that post and i thought oh this is people have to if they haven't read it, they have to hear about it because I love systems that you can put in yeah, place yes. that just you just reference and it's an operating system. And I feel like just having read so much of your stuff that you have all of these systems <laughs> just everywhere. And it's I'm really envious yeah. of it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't I, I don't view myself that way, but oh, you're really, really analytical. And all, but I'm not. I'm just a normal guy. But what I've found <laughs> is the more things it's no different than automating your savings when you're working. Right. Yeah. If you can automate your savings, what what does it do? It makes it easier. Yeah. Right. You yeah, just you know, you're saving done. The more things like that that you can build into your 
financial management, the easier it gets because yeah. you kind of, you know, you kind of know what you're going to do. You don't overreact. You don't panic. I've got my buffer if things get now. Would I do the same thing if I only had three years of cash? Maybe not. But I had a little bit extra. So, you know, you modify it based on your current situation. Yes. But but knowing in advance, there is going to be a bear market, people. I guarantee you by 2023, the market's going to be down 20, 30 percent at some point. It happens. Yeah. So don't freak out about it. Think about it beforehand. No different than when you're pre-FI and you're trying to think about what your life's going to be post-FI. Well, when you're in a bear market, think about how you're going to react when a bear market or bull. Think about a bear. Um, just just anticipate stuff instead of reacting all the time. If it's down in 23, it's going to be two more years, man. <laughs> Don't say that, Fritz. <laughs> we talked earlier about more on the soft side of retiring early, but when it comes to the more financial side, the nuts and bolts, the getting to FI and thinking about how you draw down, are there things that the fire community frequently gets wrong in your opinion? Uh, that's a that's a that's a tough question. I, you know, I I've got a lot of respect for the fire community. Yeah, me there's too. There's a lot of there's a lot of really really smart people out there, right? And a lot of great content producers yes. that anybody can learn this stuff now, and they can they can they can find somebody. You've got an audience that that you relate to, and they're like, I like these guys, and they tune in, and they're learning, and there are so many more people that get this stuff now. Yes. And and this is not a this is not a flash in the pan bad pun for fire, but it's not. This is a, this is a growing educational movement about how to be responsible financially. So to me, there aren't any blazing red lights. Oh man, you know, maybe there's some that are too extreme and they're sacrificing. We talked about that. Maybe, maybe not. I think the one thing I would tell people is when you're in that pre-fi phase and you're so focused on getting there, recognize how much different it is in the post-fi when you move from accumulation to withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you had all those strategies on how you were going to grow that wealth, recognizing, Eric, you just made that comment, you're doing a little bit more bonds. Or, oh, no, I need the growth. I need the stocks. Yeah, you do. It's but hard. post-fi, you need stuff besides just growth. Yeah. That's, right. that's the mentality of the withdrawal phase. And it's entirely different than the accumulation phase. And I don't know that the FI community speaks about that transition as much because most people are just so focused on getting to FI. So yeah. true. That's probably the one thing I would encourage people to produce more content on. I mean, that was like a, a door that was completely closed to me um, until Jason started mentioning. He's like, oh, so what's the drawdown strategy look like? I'm like, well, I mean... I'm just doing the investing part, man. And I'll do, when I get there, I'll figure it out. And you can't like, you have to plan for that multiple yeah. years, like yeah. many years in advance. And so, yeah, you need to start, you need to start at least two years before you retire. I have read your book. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I did buy your book and, uh, and would recommend it to others. Would you share the title of your book and maybe what it's about? And we'll link it in the show notes. Oh, Jason, I didn't want to do this, but I will. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> I and, want you to. We, we could spend a whole other podcast on the backstory because it's, <laughs> it's pretty fascinating, but I'll even put it up here. Keys to a successful retirement. And it's basically staying happy, active, and productive in your retired years. And and the takeaway on this, um, I was actually approached by a publisher because they liked what I was doing on my blog. And, and oh, they, wow. actually, they actually 
invite this was kind of a job offer they said hey you want to write a book i was like well never thought it happened this way <laughs> kind of like the board thing the wow. reason i said yes was because i was interested by the pro i always wanted to write a book yeah but i didn't want to try to write a book and get a publisher i was like i don't want to deal with that that's crazy so right. when this fell in my lap i was like absolutely you know so um but what it, what it is is it's looking back it's not unlike two sides of fi it's looking back at about the two-year mark in my retirement and being retrospective on the things that I did on my journey yes. that, in hindsight, were the keys that made the transition successful. That's the book in a nutshell. And I think there's 25, 28 tips. I, I, I break it down very clearly into specific, actionable things. It's, it's, it's a short book. You can read it in a couple of days by design. I want to keep it concise, simple, and focused on the things that matter. And under each one of those tips, I kind of tell the story behind it. And then I summarize them all at the end say, you know, there's 25 things here. These really worked well for me. Take what you want. But, you know, I think thinking through them and applying some in your journey might might benefit it's it's worked well for me so that, that's what it's about right it. it's been great chatting with you and i mean again thanks for making the time and taking that away from your retirement let me just echo that you know fritz it was, i really appreciate your time taken to come on this you know when we uh, exchanged some messages over twitter you were very gracious and willing to come on the show and and uh, eric and i are just both super thankful for that so uh, i know our audience is going to enjoy this they're gonna love good it. Well, thank, great you. thank you guys. You. Happy New Year. And I uh, look forward to great things that are going to happen in 2022 and beyond. Likewise. Yeah. Thank Be you well. so much. Prince. All right. All right. Yeah, thank you. Take care, guys. Week. See bye, bye Join us as the conversation continues next time on Two Sides of Fi. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. Two Sides of Fi.